Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Live Life of Progressively podcast with Cynthia Hogan and Mike Mahler. Special show this week, man, um, and it's a good follow-up show from uh, one of our previous episodes. But um, we have a great guest on the show today, man, and over to you. Hey, Mike. First of all, are you there? Got to make yeah, sure, man. man. I'm you here. know, Skype can be a little sketchy sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I'm making sure I'm not talking to myself. <laughs> we got the silence going on because Skype is not our friend sometimes. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, now, we have a great guest on today. I mean, this is a follow up to an episode we did with our friend Ted Rice a while back. On episode was, seventy. Yeah, which was a very compelling episode, but a very difficult episode for people to listen to. But I, I want to emphasize to people that as difficult as the subject matter is, you really want to immerse yourself in it because it takes a lot of courage for people like Ted, people like our guest today to discuss these things. And it's, it's important that we all have these discussions so we can do our part to prevent such tragedies from happening rather than just trying to live in a bubble thinking that these things will never happen to us or anyone we know. So that's right. one of the reasons why we want to put out really compelling material like this. Yeah, we like putting out fitness information and self-development information, nutrition, hormones. That's all great stuff too. But this is really important stuff as well. So we want to get that information out there. Definitely. And today we have Don Rice on, Ted's father. And we wanted to talk about the organization that his family started and what they're all about. So Don, how are you doing today? Uh, just fine. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing, doing great. great. Thanks a lot for joining us on the show today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. My pleasure. Don, we wanted to get started with how, how did you how did this whole Jimmy Rice Foundation get started and what's the what's the underlying purpose behind it? Okay, well, let me start by telling you that uh, when my wife and I found out what happened to Jimmy, uh, our first thought was not to start our own foundation. Mm. We'd run into several other nonprofits that were out there that. We're supposed to be taking care of uh, missing and abducted kids. And we wanted to pursue whatever we wanted in terms of new programs through them. You know, we thought, well, we don't really need another nonprofit. Right. But what we found was what I think most people understand. If you want to do something, you better do it yourself. <laughs> right. And that's, that's when we decided, uh, uh, in 1996, that uh, we would start our own nonprofit. <clears throat> Excuse me. We named it the Jimmy Rice Center for Victims of Predatory Abduction. Um, kind of a long name, but we wanted to make it clear what we were all about, and the name tells you what we were about. Now, now, what exactly do you guys do? Well, the primary, let me go to where we are now, because the, the primary thing we're doing now, this is uh, about 80% of what we do, is to place bloodhounds for free to law enforcement agencies all over the country. And uh, we actually send one over to Germany. You're working overseas now. What's what's the purpose of the bloodhounds being? Yeah, as compared to a German Shepherd that a lot of law enforcement already have. Right. You know, well, nothing wrong with German Shepherds. Um, they're they're great all-purpose dogs, but what they don't do well is search for people. And a bloodhound, it's been uh, estimated, that has about sixty times the 
scent power of a German Shepherd. They're, they're, they're absolutely, there's nothing like them when you're looking for someone who's lost or missing. Hmm. Um, let me, if you don't mind, let me tell you why bloodhounds, okay. how we got started with that. My wife and I, um, the, the people that heard Ted know the story about what happened to Jenny. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and we were thinking, you know, what, what could have saved Jenny? He had only a few hours to live, which is typical if they're going to kill a, a kid. Usually it's close to where they took him, and it's within a few hours if they're going to kill the child. And um, so he only had three or four hours. And even there weren't Amber Alerts or anything like that, but even if there had been, it wouldn't have made a difference for Jimmy. Then we started learning about bloodhounds and what they could do and how incredible uh, they can be in picking up and finding trails. Uh, They've even been known to follow scents from uh, a car or a truck. And... Jimmy was only a, a mile away from our house, and um, you know it would have been the one shot that we would have had at bringing him back alive, and that's what got us started on on bloodhounds. Is that a is that a fairly common occurrence where when someone's abducted, they're not even that far from where they were abducted from? In the worst kind of case, yeah, yeah. The, the worst kind of case being where the, where the kid is killed. Typically, they don't like to wait long before they assault the child. Right. Um, and then, if they're going to kill them, they do it there. Yeah. That's what happened to Jimmy. So with Jimmy, if they if the law enforcement had bloodhounds, they could have tracked where Jimmy was from your house, from where he was abducted. The best case scenario, <laughs> I'm not saying it was 100, percent but right. it was it was absolutely the only shot he had at living. Sure, would have stacked the deck in your favor for sure. Exactly. Now, Don, um, where where do you get the the bloodhounds that you provide for law enforcement? I mean, do you have a place where they're bred, or are they rescues? How do you provide them? We provide them through. Uh, we have one um, breeder right now. We started out looking initially at using several breeders, and we found quickly that uh, the, the quality of the dog depends really a lot on the particular breeder you use. Mm-hmm. We finally found one who has an excellent reputation, uh, not only in the state but throughout the country. Pam Andrews is her name, mm-hmm. and uh, she's the one we use for about 95% of the dogs we place. Do you know what happens to these dogs when they're too old to still work for law enforcement? Or are they adopted by someone? Does that, Maybe it's too early in your organization to, to know that. No, no. Uh, absolutely, that's part of what we care about and yeah. part of what uh, we get commitments from. Uh, they are placed once, once they retire, so to speak. Yeah. They're, they're placed with someone who... Uh, continues to love them. Usually, it's the uh, the handler, right. the handler mm-hmm. that's used them. They they become very attached to each other. Yeah, I can imagine. Can right. imagine. 
No, that's that's very cool because <clears throat> a lot of people are not fans of breeding, and I, I yeah, I'm not a fan of dogs being bred. But obviously, for this is a very specific purpose, and this is much different than puppies being bred to put in dogs to put in stores to sell. You know, this exactly. is being oh, where, uh, absolutely. You know, yeah, this uh, is. I just want to I just want to emphasize to people that this can be done in a way that's great for everybody. The dogs are taken care of; they're used for a specific purpose to help people, and that they're not just put down after. You know, they've served their purpose. Exactly. This is the one case that there is such a thing as ethical breeding right now. Yes, you know, this is that one time. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just want to make yeah. sure we cover that so we don't get some jack off on Twitter who goes, oh, I thought, <laughs> I thought you were you, against yeah, breeding. Yeah, I thought you didn't like that. It was like, uh, yeah, this is the only real case of ethical breeding. Everything else is not ethical, dude. It's like, yeah, I'm against <laughs> breeding a shit zoo to be sold for 1200 bucks exactly. you know, at a store. But you know, Just so somebody can carry it around in their though. purse all day, you know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no way! You're going to buy a decent bloodhound in a store, the kind of store you're talking about, from the kind of breeder you're talking about. Exactly. No way! Right, right. What so I mean, like- when, when, how much does it cost to place a, a bloodhound? A thousand dollars. Okay, so uh, if someone donates, if I donate a thousand dollars today, then that's going to get a bloodhound placed somewhere to help save lives. Then. Absolutely. That's fantastic. So that's one thing I want you listeners to emphasize is that, you know, we have thousands of people who listen to this show. If we got a fraction of our audience to donate $10, $20 to the Jimmy Rice Foundation, we could get several bloodhounds placed. With long. Absolutely. A lot of people, that's exactly what they donate. You know, we're happy when a, a big donation comes through, but we're in a way, just as happy when a small one comes through because that means the people that do it, they, they really care. Right, right. And then it's it's numbers add up. So, again, if they do, if you want to get a bloodhound placed in your local community, you could get together with your neighbors, put together enough cash to equal $1,000, and then you have a bloodhound in your county to help save your kids' lives, your neighbors' kids' lives, et cetera. So it's one of those preventive measures. I mean, we hope that nothing ever happens bad to anyone's kids, period. But we live in a world where there's horrible people out there, like the sexual predator that kidnapped Jimmy. So we have to take preventative measures. And I applaud you for starting an organization like this and taking charge of it. Was this something that you found was an essential ingredient to to move on from what happened? Because as a parent, I can't imagine what – not me as a parent, but you guys' parents. I can't imagine what Mm – it was it was like to go through something like this. Well, you, you can't imagine unless you've gone through it. We Absolutely. often the the few of us that get together uh, for one thing or another, you know, as a group, we say we're um, members of a uh, of a group that you never want to be a part of. Believe me. Right. Uh, the answer to your question is yeah, it it helped a lot. We felt very strongly. First of all, we were angry. Uh, i got to tell you, we were very angry because the system in 1995, when Jimmy was taken, was in terrible shape. Uh, our country just wasn't ready to know, to know how to recover uh, an abducted kid. Yeah. And um, so part of what we wanted to do was we wanted to change laws. We wanted law enforcement to start getting training and also... You know, once we found out uh, about bloodhounds, we wanted law enforcement to have that tool, which um, would be part of the arrow and the quiver uh, 
to help get kids back. And well, what were that, the yeah, problems? that makes us feel good. Yeah, I was just about right. to say, what, yeah, what were the, what yeah, what were think, the problems with the what do you think would, Yeah, what, what do you think that would delay that? Because you had stories, big stories, especially during the 80s. I mean, prior to the 90s and when this happened. You, you had the Adam Walsh you know, episode that happened you know, um, with, you know, John Walsh's son that a lot of people are familiar right. with. Uh, who, um, he's the host of America's Most Wanted. And then you also had like the Atlanta child murders from the, from, I think the late seventies, early eighties as well. You know, what do you think, why do you think it took so long for this country to start just really paying attention and put preventive measures in place to help in these situations and try to prevent these situations when you have such big national headline stories even they made movies and tv shows about this you you think that they would catch up and do something a little sooner you know i i really can't answer that except to to tell you that uh not just my wife and i but a lot of people that went through things like this just um seemed like we all kind of started yelling at the same time we we've got to fix this right and um uh, I, I, I got to say, you know, it's important to have good political uh, figures try to change laws and everything. But uh, victims and, and the families of victims, we we really uh, have an extra loud voice. And uh, we have a responsibility, I think, to use it to make the kind of changes that need to be made. Right. The power, yes, yeah, definitely in numbers. And, uh, you know, a lot of times when we see things that, that disturb us or things that work against us, we kind of keep it to ourselves because we kind of think like, well, who am I? Who's going to listen to me? And not realizing that a lot of times it's not just you. And so you'd be surprised how many people are like, oh, yeah, me too, me too, and me too. And then, you know, when the masses speak, somebody's going to have to answer one way or the other. It, absolutely. You're, you're right about that. And people would be amazed how much power the average person can have if enough of them get together and are determined to make a change. It can be done. Exactly. Now, I know you said that sometimes you guys get together with other parents who have been in the same situation. And I know the organization also helps to counsel and support these parents who have been in these situations. Can you just explain and just kind of share like exactly how you guys go about helping with counseling parents after such situations happen with them? Well, yeah, first of all, um, when we find out that the situation exists, there's, there's an agency uh, run out of um, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children mm -hmm. called Team Hope. And Team Hope uh, provides people that have been through uh, things like that, abductions, uh, that they are trained to call and talk and help counsel parents that are going through it. Uh, that's one way. And um, any, anyone, I would encourage anyone that loses a child uh, missing, even if they think the child might be a runaway, uh, to contact that agency, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. It can be a great help. Awesome. As for us... Um, what my wife and I would do is really, I guess my wife was especially good at this mm -hmm. kind of give tough love. You know, it's people are very wary and should be, uh, to say tough things to a parent going through that. But the parent needs to focus on getting the child back. And, uh, 
Claudine in particular, my, my late wife, would tell them, you know, get yourself under control for your child's sake. You got to stop crying and start working to get the kid back. Mm. Right. right. She could do that. <laughs> we can say that. Yeah, I think it's just a little different when it comes from the mother, you know, a lot of times than the, than the father because it's just that connection with the mother and child tends to always be a lot deeper than with the father and child. So I think when it comes from the mother, it's kind of like, well, you know, here's a mother and she really suffered a loss because she carried this child for nine months you know, under the best, you know, circumstances. So who am I? You know, if she says this, then maybe I need to get my ish together, you know, and, and, yeah, exactly. and, and snap out of it. You know, it doesn't make it hurt any less. And it doesn't mean that you care any less because you're not crying anymore. It just means that, okay, you gotta get, we got to get some things done here to try to get them back. Yeah, yeah. you have to focus on what's proactive, what's the goal, and how do you achieve it. And I'm curious, Don, what can parents do that's to train their kids as preventative measures so that they're not abducted the way Jimmy was? What, what, do you th- what training do you think they can utilize? I think the the first and most important thing is for them to realize that this can happen to anyone, and uh, it's not an issue they should run away from. You, you hear all the time, well, you know, I don't want to take away my child's uh, childhood, and you don't do that if you teach them how to respond to certain situations um, any more than you take away their childhood if if you teach them across the street safely. Right, right. So uh, back to the specifics, um, if people go to uh, the website, the JimmyRice.org website, uh, there'll be a lot of information there. But generally, um, for example, if someone, not just a stranger, but someone tries to get you in a car and you haven't gotten your parents' permission Mm -hmm. first, then you should not get in the car. And um, another thing is, in Jimmy's case, someone pointed a gun at him and said, get in the car, and Jimmy did. Uh, We never thought that situation would come up, but what we tell other people, and I I think it's borne out by, by history, is if someone even points a gun at you, you don't get under their control. Right. You right. you scream and run yep. in the direction other than where the car is pointed. Right. And um, you know they they are. A child has been shot to death running away. Right. Right. That's not the payoff they're looking for. They're exactly. not looking. To, they're not looking to kill a kid. They're looking to take them somewhere where they can do what they want to do. Get, get under control. Get yeah. the, the child under their control. That's what they're trying to do. Right. And they they typically they spook as soon as uh, the child starts yelling. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Especially in the middle of the day, right? I mean, you're in the middle of the day at a shopping mall, and someone, someone, some adult is trying to grab you. If you start screaming, everybody's going to see that. Exactly. Uh, right. And also, attention. you you say something specific. You don't just scream. You say, okay. "That's not my daddy," or uh, "That's not uh, my mom." Mm, okay. I see. I see. That makes perfect sense, actually, because if a kid just screams, they could think, "Oh, he's oh, just he's, being a bratty kid." Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, and and you brought up another point when you're saying that okay, pretty much. Um, excuse me. 
Sorry, it's the parent in me kicking in right now. <laughs> you know, just kind of thinking all these scenarios, man. Just trying to, I'm trying to keep it together here myself. Um, but, you know, we, we make that mistake of thinking that we just assume that, OK, well, we know our kids, should, you know, they should know not to get in a car with a stranger. I think that's the problem a lot of parents just make without specifically reiterating that and verbally telling their children this and not just telling them this when they're three or four years old, but even as they get older and you just kind of just assume that they know this already. Like, ah, they, they knew this. He knew not to get in the car with a stranger. Well, did you tell him that? Did you emphasize well, that? Right. Well, and another thing, remember that they have a different idea of what a stranger is. Exactly. Uh, that uh, if someone says, hey, you know, uh, why don't you get in the car? And he said, well, I don't get in the car with strangers. Well, I'm not a stranger. I know your dad. Yeah. You need to explain to him a stranger is someone that you have not uh, given them permission to get in the car with. Yeah, I was just about to bring it up because whatever they claim. Yeah, what if they're you know familiar with this person? What if it could be I don't know? It could be you know in some situations like an uncle or something like that, and just maybe just this uncle might be a little uh, off, a relative, right? You know, right. Somebody. Exactly. Well, I, in fact, I, I I know very well a woman whose child was killed uh, by an uncle. Yeah. Uh, who was a sexual predator. Yeah. A lot of times that's the case. Usually it's a family member yeah, or a exactly. friend of the family, something like that, someone that, that you, you automatically relinquish trust to. Yeah. And then as, as a little kid, a lot of times you don't even – you trust adults so much that even if they make you feel uncomfortable, you don't think that you should say, I don't want – don't do that, stop doing that because you're used to trusting adults and doing what they tell you to do. Exactly, or you feel like you're being disrespectful uh, exactly. or something, right. you know. That, that's why I think it's so important for parents to train their kids. They go, look, if, I, if someone ever does this to you that's not right, this, here's what you need to do, rather than just yeah, hope you, that you, situation you, never comes up. Right, and you need to, to talk it out with them. Uh, again, if people need help with this, uh, not only the uh, Jimmy Rice Center website, but uh, again, I've mentioned the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Uh, they have a really great website with a lot of information. Um, I mean, that you really should do that. Uh, the chances are not huge that you're going to lose your child to a sexual predator, but they, they're a lot, a lot higher than you uh, would feel comfortable taking the chance, believe me. Yeah, exactly. Now, changing, switching gears here, what, why, do you, why do you think people, why do you think someone becomes a sexual predator? Is it they're just wired wrong? They're just born evil? Or is it something where they experience something that provokes them? I mean, what makes someone want to be a sexual predator? That's a really good question. Um, and it depends a lot on the kind of predator you're talking about. Yeah. My, uh, the predator who took Jenny, I had a very, he, he was from Cuba, but had a, very loving family, apparently, uh, very successful family. No evidence whatsoever that uh, he got abused as a child. Uh, he was just wired wrong. Yeah. Right. Other times you hear about horrible stories where uh, a child has been um, mistreated and abused as a child and then becomes a predator himself. Right. Although I, w I will have to tell you that uh, I've met a lot of people who were abused as kids, and the vast majority of them, uh, not that they aren't wounded by what happened, but uh, 
they're dedicated to trying to protect others from what they went through. That's what would so, make more sense to me, because if you're a, if you go through some abuse, you know exactly personally what that feels like. Right. So why exactly. you would want to subject someone else to that never made any sense to me. What you just well, said makes is, a lot more sense to me. Yeah, which is uh, the reason why uh, I, I'm not all that interested in hearing about the bad childhood exactly. that uh, right. a predator went through because I know a vast majority of people that uh, they came out of it, like I said, injured but determined to right. protect others from what they went through. Yeah, and I'm and I'm in no way supporting this ultra left wing argument of that this the, the perpetrator is the victim somehow at all. I'm just more curious what what provokes someone to go in that direction. But my attitude is it, it doesn't matter what they went through because yeah. it doesn't justify what they're doing exactly. at all. Right, uh, and uh, I I think part of the problem is we aren't real sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Why the kind of and they are different kinds of predators. You know, the uh, the predators who kill are a small minority of sexual predators. Most of them, uh, they they just well, certain kinds of predators uh, want to entice the child into a relationship. Uh, so, different kind of animal entirely. I'm not saying that's okay. Obviously. Yeah. But uh, a lot of them, that's the approach. Mm. They seduce the child. So, yeah, Don, like, okay, this this past week, as we're speaking on this, for those who they've had issues before, like, let's just say the ones that we know they've had past issues, mental issues or whatever type of issues where, you know, they've had this potential to be a predator or to to be <laughs> someone that or sexual just deviant or something like that. They've already had this in their history. They've probably been they've been arrested in certain situations. But as a matter of fact, this past week, I just saw a story. There was a guy who was just he was just released from prison. And this guy's already been in prison for kidnapping, for stabbing, for I mean, all these different things in New York. And he a day after he gets out of prison again. Well, actually, I take that back. There was a few cases where they just dropped the case. He stabbed someone in the subway. He attacked someone else. You know, he's had this. He's been notorious for stabbing, but somehow the cases kept getting dismissed. So, but then he ended up getting popped for something. So he ended up going to prison. He gets out again, and the day after he gets out, these two little kids are going to get ice cream. They're leaving this housing project, going to get ice cream. I think the kids were like seven and nine years old, and they're going outside to get ice cream. He sees them in the stairwell and he just stabs them. No, nothing. No, try, he didn't try to snatch them. He didn't try to take them away, kidnap them. He just attacked these little kids. He killed one. One is injured uh, critically right now, severely. And my thing is, this guy has a history. This dude has a long rap sheet of violence, especially towards young people. You know, do you think that the system is like, I don't know not doing enough or not understanding what's really going on as far as mental health issues, because you got to ask, like, what is it with this guy? What's going on with him for him to behave in this manner consistently? And why is he out on the streets? So it's like, is this, I mean, we, yeah, definitely, obviously it sounds like the system is flawed, but can you, I just like to hear your opinion of pretty much why the system is so flawed like this. Well, the, the system is flawed that way, but uh, it's funny. I, I don't know if you know this, but Jimmy's name is attached to a somewhat controversial law 
uh, the Jimmy Rice Involuntary Civil Commitment Act. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that? No. No, not at all. All right, well, uh, if you don't mind, just a short history as sure. to why we ended up uh, promoting that law. We were trying to decide uh, some legislation to put Jimmy's name to. That was important to us. But we wanted it to be something that we felt would make a difference. And uh, this was at a time when people would approach us, uh, various politicians, with with these sometimes really bizarre laws, like uh, one person wanted us to be involved, put Jimmy's name to a, uh, a chemical castration law. And uh, we were not exactly, first of all, we don't particularly think that works. And secondly, the idea of the Jimmy Rice involuntary uh, castration law, you know, <laughs> you don't want a child's name with that. Right, so, right. You don't, yeah, you don't want the ACLU then, and all that, you know, jumping in. Right. So then we get a letter uh, from out of state. The letter is from a person uh, who is involved with the legal system, the criminal justice system. They say, you know, we've got a guy, he's in his early 20s. He's uh, about to be released from jail. And he is telling all of us that when he gets out, he's going to target a kid, and this time he's going to kill him. And there's nothing we can do about it until he does. And uh, my my wife and I are looking at at each other, and we're saying, you know, this, how how could this possibly be true? How could you be so helpless in a situation where the guy himself is saying what he's going to do and uh, there's nothing they can do about it? About that time, um, I think it was the state of Washington went up to the Supreme Court with um, its version of involuntary civil commitment, which uh, essentially is uh, someone who's determined to to through a jury to be uh, a sexual predator who's very likely to offend again that you can commit them and give them treatment until uh, you no longer believe they're a danger. Uh, so uh, the Supreme Court said that that was constitutional, and as a result, uh, that was the law that we um, ended up passing in Denny's name. I don't know if that answers uh, the question that, that you're asking, but but that is one approach. And right. um, the the people that um, that have uh, there was a big story uh, by a Fort Lauderdale newspaper uh, about the people who were determined not to be uh, committed and the horrible things they did when they got back out. Right. Uh, so. The, the people that were committed, uh, you have to imagine what they would do. So that that is one approach. It's controversial, but uh, it, it helps keep these people from their victims. You know, and that's well, the best way. I mean, it, may, it, it makes know. sense. It makes if you if you say something, I was just about as, to say this. I'm going to harm meditate. the president. You're going to get arrested, right? Exactly. Or is like, right. they don't, they don't just wait guy. for you to do it. Yeah, they don't <laughs> wait for you to be like, well, let's just keep tabs on this guy and see if he's actually going to follow through on it's that. If you just say that publicly, you know? if you if I went to a coffee shop today and said, hey, uh, I'm thinking about doing this, you know, about our leader, you're going to. 
and it's secret. It's going to get back to Secret Service, and they're going to be coming over to your house. <laughs> You're going to disappear. <laughs> on the next episode of 24, Mike disappears. <laughs> okay. they, they, they take that stuff seriously, yeah, exactly. so why not take it just as seriously with the kid in well, question? I mean, I mean, that... if, if, I, if I heard someone in my neighbor, if I overheard someone, if I were walking my dogs in my neighborhood and I overheard someone saying something like that, I'd be like, all right, guys. I'm not, uh, not going to wait you, for you'd that be, to happen. Right. Yeah, you'd, you'd be amazed how often they brag. Oh, I, I don't doubt it at all. When you get I away think that's with part it. of the I mean, chaos. Yes, it's part. Yeah, it's, it's they get off. Their it's trophy. Arrogant. It's trophy hunting. Exactly. For them. It's, it's, they, a, a, exactly. They they wouldn't exactly. get caught if they didn't brag, and that's the that's the case for a lot of criminals. The the reason why they get caught is they brag. The reason why Al Capone was taken down is because he couldn't shut up. Exactly. No, he's he just rubbed <laughs> it in politicians' faces. It was exactly. it was not enough that he was loaded as a criminal, but he would go on and on with the press about how he runs Chicago and how all the politicians are in his hand and so forth. And they got fed up of this guy, where they finally took him down. So that that's a common problem among uh, really because it comes yeah, down to everybody power. It everybody comes down, exactly it comes down to this perceived power and that's the whole reason why but, most of these guys uh, and uh, women do this because they want to have power over someone and and that's right. what happens well, when they start getting that power they can't shut up i mean look at our politicians they can't shut up well, <laughs> well everybody likes to show off about their accomplishments <laughs> exactly. right? I mean, look at look at our narcissistic social media society i mean nobody people can't even go to a concert anymore without <laughs> taking 50 photos so they can tell everybody that they did it so i mean this, <laughs> right. these these people well, are just like everyone else except that they're total deviants, obviously, so it's a much different scenario. Right. Well, you know that uh, the guy who uh, raped and killed Jenny uh, was located because he kept a trophy. Yeah, exactly. To get Jenny's book back. Right, right, exactly. If he got rid of if that he hadn't and everything done that, else, yeah. we'd never known what happened to him. Right. Exactly. And, and one of the things I've just learned, just when I was studying psychology you know, in school, sometimes... They do this. They have these trophies because they are screaming for help. They want to be caught. They want to be stopped. In their mind, they feel like, oh, I can't stop myself. I'm not saying this is what happened with this guy who who killed right. Jimmy. But a lot of times they want to be caught. They leave that evidence like, please, just stop me, please, because they feel like they can't stop yeah. themselves. Yeah, that, that often is true. You're right. Well, well, my advice for them is just to run yourself off a cliff. Exactly. You want to stop yourself? Plus, <laughs> full of favor, man. Because I tell you what, if I had thoughts like that about harming a kid, an animal, anybody, I'd go run myself off a cliff. Exactly. Do the whole world a I'm favor. I'm checking myself in someplace, or <laughs> yeah. dude, I'm just telling myself, you know what? It's time for me to get off this rock. And These you know, who shoot up a bunch of kids in school. Just shoot yourself. Exactly. Like, what do you? I, you know, well, what, don't don't do it after. Every the time I hear about someone who ends up killing themselves after they, I'm like, really? Killed a bunch of other people. I say, well, why didn't you start with yourself? Right. Right. And that's just start there. They're a freaking yeah. coward. And they're like, yo, I don't want to face the consequences. What have I done? Oh, I don't want to, because well, I know what's probably going to happen to me when I get to prison. It goes back to power again. They want to. They want to have power. They they they're going. I'm going to take out a bunch of people with me. There's, there was this one guy. Who I, I read about recently in California somewhere who who was distraught because he didn't have any clout with the ladies, right? This is a, this is a, this is a college kid. Oh, yeah. where he's, basically, basically, you can sum the story of this. This guy, this guy got rejected by a lot of girls, and he couldn't take it anymore, so he decided to go out and shoot a bunch of sorority girls and then finally kill himself. That's the, now, my attitude is, why don't you just shoot yourself? But he wants to have some power. He's like, oh, all these people who rejected me, they never gave me the time of the day. I'm going to show them. And then he yeah. took himself out after Dude, all of that. Come on. So that's like, the problem there. Is they they, they want to they have that final moment of power before they end it for themselves. And so often it's losers. 
Yeah, yeah it's like always they, they have that power, and then they, they take away the power from anyone convicting them of what they did. So, you know, just I don't know, man. It's so crazy. I, I think a lot of it goes from this this entitlement in society, though, where, where people feel like they should have things. And when they don't have things, they feel it's okay to blame other people for that and then to act accordingly. That and I, yeah, I, think, I feel like it's a lot of also a lot of mental health issues associated oh, with, with you know they're over yeah. these a lot of these kids are so over medicated these people are so over medicated as soon as you are sad about one thing your parents want to automatically take you and get you evaluated and get you put on some type of ADHD drug and some type of depression drug or something like that and so what ends up happening their mental state. It may not have been that bad in the first. I mean, they're kids. They're teenagers. Of course, they're depressed. It comes with being a teenager. You know, again, <laughs> it goes back to that entitlement. Yeah, exactly. Part they of got the hormones. They got hormones is, going crazy here. So, of course, well, part they're going, of the human condition is you're going to be sad from time to time. Exactly. That's the, you can't be happy all the freaking time. If you are, something's wrong. Now, that person has a mental issue. If they're just going around smiling <laughs> yeah. all the time and nothing pisses them off, nothing upsets yeah. them, you know, nothing bothers them. You, you know, there's something wrong with that guy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that dude's, you know, what is but the smoke? I, I, I mean, you're bringing up a really good point, Sincere, in the fact that anytime a kid is, is sad about something, that parents run to medication. And and having sadness, having joy, having depression, having elation, I mean, these are all parts of the human condition. And then you're, you're not going to grow fully as a person if you're not experiencing the highs and lows. Exactly. And I, you I, know, I, I firmly believe you're right about that. Yeah. Uh, I, you, you guys are absolutely right. Uh, life isn't fair all the time. Right. And, and you've got to learn how to handle that. Yeah. Right. It's like stuff happens. It's just, you know, it's up to you how you handle that stuff. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah, going to yeah. happen. Life is probably not fair most of the time. You know, exactly. we, could, we, could, we could look at the amount of human suffering and, and animal suffering and all kinds just, of suffering in the world. To, it's pretty, it's, there's more suffering than not suffering. Exactly. In the world. Going to St. Jude's Hospital no, and then and you see how world, unfair you're, life you're is. Right. <laughs> you know? In this country, I mean, it's more fair than in most countries. I and it's, it's still pretty unfair. unfair. It's yeah. beyond fair. Half of the problems that we claim that we have, they're not problems. Yeah. They're not problems. You know, well, it, like my father always says, he goes, my, my father supports a lot of orphanages in Uganda. And people always ask him, uh, how come you don't help out the poor in America? He goes, there aren't any poor in America. <laughs> 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 because compared to what he's seen, believe me, oh. poor, poor in Uganda means no running water, no clothes. You haven't eaten in several weeks and you're a child. You know, poor in America means there's the homeless shelters and there's free food provided and the, coffee and job placement. You know, there are clothing drives, right. you know, and, you know, you're getting all that and there's soup kitchens and. And, you know, and, you know, not to take away from those people who are having those hardships, but at the end of the day, it's, it's not like we're having a, a comparison party. Who's who's the poorest? I'm just saying that, OK, there is distraught and then there's poor. There's poverty. There is a difference. You know, well, a lot of times yeah, there's, there's a place is. in our country to actually help people. Exactly. And there's a place to help you. That's it. You're done. Yeah. There's and there's no way to get out of that unless a lottery ticket occurs, such as if I went to India and I just grab a kid off the street and bring him out here, adopt him. That that's a lottery situation. Exactly. The, the majority of those kids, that's never going to happen yeah, to them. And, and there, there isn't anything in place to provide any help. Yeah, we don't have over 100 million Madonnas out there to just go into a country, pick a kid <laughs> and bring them and, and give them a good life. You know, there's not enough Brad Pitt's and Angelina Jolie's out there, you know, just like, oh, I want to adopt you. You look distraught. Let's do a good thing, you know? So, yeah, man. <laughs> oh, man. So, Don, um, I had one more question. Hold on. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I was trying to make sure I didn't lose the question here. Um, but also, well, we talked about how you guys help and counsel parents with the organization. 
Also, are there any ways that you work with schools as well? Because a lot of times these issues, a lot of times these situations happen right by the playground, by the school. A lot of times these kids are walking home from school. So are there things in place where you work with teachers and, and principals and, and school organizations as well to kind of help well, prevent this? Yeah, I mean, but part, part, of, part of what we do is we will go into an organization or a school and, uh, you know, quickly tell Jimmy's story, uh, try not to scare the kids too much, but mm-hmm. then we will go into uh, ways that they can protect themselves. Uh, sure. We, we do that a lot. And, uh, you know, keep in mind, um, you, you mentioned, you know, kids in schools are some somewhat at risk. I mean, uh, it's like the guy that said, we rob banks because that's where the money is. Uh, right. Schools, bus stops, things like that are quite often where the predators go to, to pick up a kid because that's where the kids are. Right. And see that all the time. Exactly. And and the way things are today, so many parents, you know, you have one situation where you have parents who work all the time. So they have their kids, you know, the kids are at school the majority of the time other than being at home. They're at school all day and then they're in after school, you know, once school is over and it's dark by the time that they're finally leaving that school. So it's a prime situation for a sexual predator. Like in, in, in it, when you deal it with is. That. And, and yeah, let me, let me make one thing clear. You know, when I say uh, kids need to be trained on, on how to deal with things like this, uh, we have met many kids who say themselves, they're the last line that. of defense they have. Yeah. Yeah, I was just about to ask him bring that can you, up. Can I know you some give people us an are, example? Yeah. yeah, yeah, an example of how yeah, kids uh, Well, there's a bunch of ways. Um, one of my favorites is uh, one kid um, was on the road near her house, and a car drives up, and uh, the guy kept trying to get her to approach him in the car, which, by the way, kids should never do. Don't get an arm's length of someone you don't know like that. Right. Anyhow, uh, finally, uh, this guy kept trying to talk her into it, and she, she knew she was in trouble. And he started to get out of the car. He said, uh, hey, look, down the road, my mom's coming. <laughs> and the guy jumped back in the car and drove Perfect. off. Um, she saved herself. And, and that same guy kidnapped uh, a young girl uh, uh, a couple of days later, Ugh. and um, so she saved herself. And uh, kids, uh, they if they fight, yell, kick, scream, time and again they get away. Because right. keep in mind, this this predator is scared as hell that someone is going to realize what he's doing. Right, right. And uh, they're they're very, very prone to running away from a situation where they feel threatened. Right. Right. I was just going to bring because you know, someone's lit out there. You know what? You know, just take your kid to jujitsu or take them, you know, and teach them Muay Thai or, you know, get them self-defense. Like, really? <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you have those parents that say that, like, okay, that's 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 a plus, you know, but there's so much more. Why even get why help have them in a situation where that's the last resort, where they didn't have these other methods that you just explained. Right. That, that would have kept them out of contact with these people. Usually by the time there's contact made is when everything is going downhill. Right. Yeah, you're right about that. 
I think spatial awareness is very important, mm-hmm. knowing where you are in your surroundings. And this and, goes for everybody, and this whether brings you're a kid like or an cell adult. Phones. Let's talk about distractions. You, you now. bet. Let's yeah, talk about yeah. Distractions. yeah right. and cell walking, phones no idea where you are yeah. or yeah. what's yeah. around you. Exactly. And that's all the time. I see that every day in Las Vegas where I live. And I remember one time I was walking down the street with a young lady. This is years ago in a small town that I wasn't that familiar with. So I don't know if I was heading towards a bad section. But anyway, I was very spatially aware. And I noticed this one guy was seemed like he was following us around. So just to make sure that I wasn't just being paranoid, I just stopped and immediately changed direction. And then mm. he stopped. And I looked him mm. dead in the eye. And I'm like, <laughs> I made you, motherfucker. And then he just walked right off away. You know, I was like, I made you. So I'm aware of what you're going to do, and I'm prepared to handle it. So just, just so you know. And he realized exactly. I knew that. He knew I made him. He knew I was prepared to deal with him. And he just left. I'm like, yeah, that's right. So I mean, well, you weren't you weren't an easy victim. Exactly. I think I think I think that's the key that everyone should be aware of. But just be, be be very spatially aware of where you're at. Be how close are people to you? And then I always tell I always tell women in particular when you go out with your friends in Las Vegas, and let's say it's just a couple girls going out. Use valet parking. Why you Why you parking somewhere on the fourth floor in a secluded uh, parking structure in a casino? Go do valet parking. It's free. It's free in Las Vegas. I mean, you should tip the guy, but you technically you don't have to do that if you're a real cheap ass, all right? <laughs> but just from a safety standpoint, do valet parking. Don't be walking around. When I see young ladies walking around the parking lot by themselves to their car, yeah. I go, what are you doing? It's nuts. Uh, right. <laughs> I, yeah, again, yeah. I think it goes back to this this mentality that people have is I'm just going to think positive and – Nothing's yeah, bad. That, that wouldn't happen to me. To me. You know, you know, yeah. that's, that's so it's such a random act to happen. So, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. Look, it's crowded. There's no way this would happen. I'm out and, you know, I'm going to the club. Like, how would that even happen? Who would who would be so bold even try to do that in a parking garage? Like, really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> a criminal. M- most people <laughs> are thinking things like that. And, and I can just tell you from my own personal experience, um, you don't have to look for evil. It can come looking for you. Exactly. Right. And, um, <laughs> I'm like, come you, on. You dude. need to be careful. Exactly. You need oh, to be on. wary. You think a criminal is going to follow these rules you're thinking about? Come on. It's kind of yeah. like gu- it's like it's like the whole gun law thing. Like they're like, why are you trying to stop people who actually can actually buy guns legally from getting guns? It's the ones e- people that get yeah. them illegally are the ones that are going to commit crimes for the most exactly. part. So you're exactly. you're missing the point here. If I'm going to get a concealed carry license and be already on a list at the, oh, with the state, you don't have to worry about me. Okay, because it's going to make it criminal, very easy. He's not going to the gun store to buy a exactly. gun. Exactly. He's not going to the gun show, and he's like, oh, It'll yeah. <laughs> exactly. like, Let me on. do this by the book before I go kill someone. I think it's really important for people to realize that. It, it, is it likely that something like this will happen to you? No, but it but it does happen to people. Exactly. And, and Can it, it happen oh, to you? Hell yes. One time. Yeah, and all it takes is one time. I mean, uh, one unlucky thing, and uh, your whole life is going to be different than you ever dreamed. Right. So you look at the odds, you're like, what are the odds of me being snatched up? Okay, what are the odds of you, once you get snatched up, actually escaping and coming back alive? Those odds are even smaller. <laughs> okay, so uh, look yes, at that. they are. Well, I think that's the other point for a lot of people to remember is whether you're a kid or an adult, anyone who has you at gunpoint and tries to take you somewhere, you make your stand right there. You run off, you scream, you fight, whatever, but you don't let that person take, take you. you anywhere. Right. Absolutely. I, I can't emphasize that any stronger than you have. It's, it's crucial not to get under their control. 
Yeah, because that's like what you they said, want. If they're trying to take you somewhere, then they're probably not going to shoot you right there. You know, because that that's not their payoff. They're trying to take you somewhere. Yeah, nine times out of ten, the first time they shoot you right there, they're not trying to grab you or anything. They're just gonna do it. <laughs> they're just gonna do it. They're not gonna sit there and put a plan together, it, like, it, I'm gonna it, grab it, you, I'm it, gonna it, take exactly. you. Exactly. You know, like, no, I'm shooting you right now. <laughs> you know, if my, that's my friend Josh, no, that, that's, my that's friend. not what they're after. Yeah, right. My, my that's not what they're after. I mean, if they were after you, right, they they'd go ahead and shoot you. They wouldn't try and get you in the car. So. Right. My friend uh, has yeah. a story about how he could, you know, he's a special forces background, right? So the guy's lethal. So we're all talking, we we're actually talking about this scenario. You know, someone who has you at gunpoint, just take off, do all this. He's like, yeah, if someone has me at gunpoint, I'm going to go get a little bit closer. You know, a little bit closer. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to make them like, think well, twice. They're like, wait a minute. This like, you want my, yeah. like, you want my There's something wrong here. It's like, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. I'll give you my wallet. Just one more stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because that, I mean, a lot of times that does work because you know i think i told mike about this once before like my wife and i we were leaving from um this concert and there's just this guy i don't know if he was amped up off some drugs or whatever but he was just kind of like screaming at everybody that was walking by so we're walking hand in hand you know i'm just kind of telling her like okay let's walk over here and get away from this guy he's he's i don't know he's high or something like that so as we're kind of moving away from him he looks over at me and of course i make eye contact with him. he's like what the hell are you looking at and then i was like <laughs> You know, I just kept walking because, I mean, what's the point? I'm not sitting here trying to def- right. you know, blow up my ego like, well, I'm looking at you, motherfucker. No, I'm not trying to do all you know, because that right there is so stupid. I'm like, so I'm getting rid of Big shouting match. Exactly. For what? So I'm walking up. He's like, did you hear me? What the F are you looking at? And so then I was like, and then he started walking toward us. Okay. Then at that point, the game changes because my wife is with me. Right. So I'm like, okay, here we go. So I, was, I said, you know what? You don't want to do that. And he's like, what? You think you think I'm scared? I said, I said, you know, I said, do me a favor and walk away. And so he's just looking at me because I was calm. And then even my wife goes, she's like, dude, please walk away. Please walk away. And when she said it, that's when he was like, F you then. And then walked away. <laughs> well, look, but I was like, I'm just like, you know, because because at that point, I'm like, here's my wife. I, I promise you, I'm not going to stop until you're dead. You know, I don't care what's going to happen. I don't know what I'm about to do, but whatever it is, it's not going to be cool. And it's probably something I probably didn't know I could do. But I just know that I would do anything possible to make sure she's OK. And it's not going to be a good night for you, buddy. So just, yeah, well, you know, sometimes you got to make your stand. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, one thing, one thing when I used to work as a bouncer in college, we, we used to see that scenario all the time, sincere. And we, yeah. there's a term in that world called the interrogation, right? These two guys get in each other's faces oh, yeah. and they're, they're, they're shouting, shouting, shouting. Neither one is committed. What you going to do? What you going to do? What you going to do? You know, all when, this. when yeah. someone, right. when someone wanted to hurt someone, they would hurt you. I mean, we, we didn't, we weren't even able to anticipate it. Right. right. So when someone wanted to hurt someone, they would walk up to the person very stealth. And then all of a sudden, bam. I don't know, bam, punch him in the side of the head. <laughs> Whatever. Then we'd go break it up. You know that that was someone who was committed, while a guy that wasn't committed would do the whole interrogation man, boo, 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 finger in your face, the whole thing. So whenever I see the interrogation anywhere, you know, that, does, that doesn't worry me one bit. I go, okay, you just told me everything I need to know about you. One, you're not committed. So if I punch you in the nose really hard right now, you're gonna run off crying. You know, <laughs> a- you're not you're not a threat. If you're a threat, right. I, you already you already would have hit me. I wouldn't have seen it coming. Exactly. And, and then there's Einstein that always tells you in the club, Mike. Oh, I'm about to go to my car and get my gun. 
Yeah, and I'm going to let you. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> As you turn your back to and go out the door. You best believe there's going to be a beer <laughs> bottle following you, too, right on top of your head. <laughs> or a pool like, stick. Oh, or it's, I'm going to go get, I'm going to go to my car and get my guns. Like, oh, I'm just going to wait right here for you. <laughs> yeah, I'll be right here waiting <laughs> yeah, for you. Okay, let me know when you get back. <laughs> I'll be sitting right here. Text, got it? Just send me a text when you get it. And it will... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, did you, I'll, I'll wait for you to post that on Twitter first. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> just give me a, uh, what's, what's your Twitter feed I'm going to follow you when you decide hashtag busting caps and fools at the club come on man I remember I was at this comedy club, man, club there's these two guys behind us and they got into this little verbal warfare and the guy's like you want to step outside it's like yeah you want to do it right now it's like uh, yeah let's go ahead and do it right now it's like okay they're all debating on whether they should step outside okay. or like, oh I got options okay I didn't know that <laughs> I don't have to huh? guys next to me is like what a bunch of idiots man getting into a fight at a comedy club you know? <laughs> like why are you mad aren't you supposed to be laughing right now why are you this guy's all on the <laughs> this guy wants to step outside man yeah i'm about to step outside with him okay i'll call you back you know i was like this, this is the biggest joke of a co- I was like this is the, what a fight is nowadays yeah these two guys having this little debate about whether they should step outside <laughs> i'm like this is like who wants a millionaire ass whooping you got to call a friend like yeah i'm about to step outside with this dude's ass i'll call you back <laughs> <laughs> so it's like now let's wait till let's wait till the break, man. I don't want to miss part of that. I don't exactly. want to miss <laughs> so yeah, man. So that's 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 what we're dealing with these days. Man. So it's crazy. You know, on the same side, yeah. I, I think crazy world. As important as it is to protect your kids and give them all this information, I feel that a lot of parents are overprotecting their kids nowadays. Oh, yeah. where, where I see a kid at the uh, playground and yeah. he's over. I saw a kid at the playground the other day where I, I take my dogs to this park, and this this kid fell over in grass. And then he turned around and looked at his grandmother to see what her reaction was. And her reaction was, of course, oh, no, are you okay? And then he started crying. It's like, it's grass, man. He didn't know he was supposed to cry. And, and She's like, wait a minute. I, I know this is not concrete. This is new. This is grass. Am I supposed to cry on this, too? To <laughs> be a wuss is where I'm going with this. Right. Now, contrast that with my friend Angela, who's this military girl, bomb disposal, total badass. Anyway, her kid falls over. He's about to cry, and she goes, don't even think about crying. And then he stopped, got up. <laughs> I, got, I was thinking, you're not going to be a wuss, man. Not with the mom. Her mom, his right. mom is the equivalent of that character Vasquez in the Aliens movie. I go, you're not, you're not going to be a wuss, buddy. That, that I can promise you, man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, hey, man, we, we really appreciate you being on the show, man. You had a lot of great information. And – where again can people find out more about everything you do? Uh, the website is jimmyrice.org. And it, there's a ton of stuff on there. Uh, I'd bore you guys to death if I went through all of it. But <laughs> anyone who's interested, just look at the website. It'll give you information on what you tell your kids and um, information on some of the things that have happened. You know, give them an idea from real events as to uh, how things can go wrong. So, Perfect. Well, we definitely appreciate everything you do. You're one of the organizations that our show supports, actually. Yeah. Both Sincere and myself support your organization as well as Transitions Global. So when 
know, we always talk about how it's it's hard to support good causes because you don't know where the money's going to. So when you when well, you find right. a legitimate Whoa. organization like yours, Don, and like our friend James Pond's organization, that is worth its weight in gold. Exactly. I mean, you can you can give money to an organization like yours and rest assured you know that it's being put to good use. Well, uh, no one takes a, a salary. Uh, the the money goes for dogs or to help run the, the website. Right. Um, everything else I donate. So people can be sure that uh, the money is not going, you know, to someone that they don't know or What's some vacation fund or their, exactly. their, their, kids, right. their kids college. We, fund. We've had very few vacations. <laughs> I've got to tell you, <laughs> and certainly none paid for by the Jimmy Rice Center. So, well, what, do, what, do, what do you do these days besides this organization, Don? Are you retired or is this your full commitment right now? No, I, I'm also an arbitrator, oh, okay. uh, yeah. which is like a power, private judge for people who don't know. Okay. And I was a, a lawyer, practicing lawyer for most of my life. And now um, I'm kind of retired from that and do arbitrations. Okay. Well, thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it, and we really want to emphasize that people should support your organization. Make a donation today, even if it's ten dollars. I think a lot of times people feel that they're somewhat embarrassed if they can only donate ten dollars, twenty dollars, and you really shouldn't be because not everyone's no, not everyone's going to be able to donate a thousand dollars or a hundred dollars. Even you know, it's it's a it's, an, it's a challenging economic time out there, but. Pretty much everybody who listens to this show can definitely donate five dollars, ten dollars. It doesn't have to be thirty percent of your salary. Yeah, trust me, yeah. whatever, whatever well, you're comfortable. Absolutely, with. you're right. Five dollars from each one of our listeners yes. is very significant for this absolutely. cause. That's a yeah. lot of bloodhounds, right there, people. <laughs> okay, it's a lot of bloodhounds being. Or, or you can just keep buying stuff from Sincere and myself, and we'll, we both we both we both donate part of our income to this, and we'll do it on behalf of you as well as others. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, listen, guys, I really appreciate uh, your your show and and having me on. Thanks. Thanks Thank you so much, Don. You have a great day. Take care. You too. Thanks again. Goodbye. Take care. Bye. So again, that's Don Rice. Check out the JimmyRice.org. So, so it's the Jimmy Rice Foundation. And that's Rice with a Y, it. not an yeah. I. With a Y. <laughs> I want to emphasize that too. So yeah, it's R Y C E. Dot org. So check that out. Make a donation. Educate yourself on this issue. Educate others on it. Share this one. Share this episode. Let's really use social media for a legitimate cause. Instead of posting up pictures of you and your speedo or your, <laughs> you know, that's that's do that's use social media. You know, social media can be used for some really powerful stuff. Unfortunately, most people use it to inflate their own ego. But here's an opportunity to use it to get the word out on a very important. <clears throat> That's going to save lives. Exactly. Exactly. All right, folks. So in charge of that. Yeah. (laughs) So before we head out, make sure you hop over to both of our websites, too. Again, if you don't feel like you can give enough on your own, don't worry. We always make donations via the money that we make from our products. It's not all just going to us. So how can you help with that? Hop over to MikeMahler.com or NewWarriorTraining.com. Type in the coupon code LLA when you get ready to check out and you'll get 10 percent off. 10% 10% off of all of our products. Um, as far as my website, you get 10% off of my body weight training DVD, my weight management one-on-one course, and coming up soon, my Chorillo Doors, which is for all you coffee lovers out there. This is like probably how you can brew the most flavorful coffee 
that you can probably ever have, you know, with the pour over method. You're going to love this. I, I was really hip to this when I went to Costa Rica and I was like, you know what? And I looked around. No one was like no one had these available online whatsoever, I, which is just amazing to me for something that's been a big part of the coffee drinking tradition there in Central America. So, you know what? When there's a true in the true entrepreneur spirit, when there's a problem. You know, you you find that you find that need and you provide something to fix it. And that's what I did. So now carrying my own, you guys are going to love that. I'm going to put up some videos on how to use them and and get them up on the website as well. And when they are there, which should be another week or two, you can use that same coupon code LLA and get 10 percent off of those as well. And with one of those, you'll also get a couple of bags of coffee on me to go along with that. So therefore, you can really you can really get a taste of all this good Costa Rican coffee. I keep talking about you get to have some on your own. So. Look, no, make sure you cool. hop over to newwarriortraining.com for that. And what can I get over your site, Mike? Yeah, use that coupon code LLA. You get 10% off any of my nutrition supplements, my testosterone booster, my recovery oil, my Restorezyme. My testosterone booster really helps with physique composition goals. So, I mean, you, you, it'll probably help you lose 10% of your fat ass and gut. And, bo- and, and, and your moves, <laughs> and your moves. That's yeah. man moves for those. If you're if you're that. tired of having the same exact physique as your girlfriend, you know it's time to do something about Stop it. Stop sharing if, the if, bra with your wife. If man. people <laughs> see you and your girl walking down the street and they think you're interchangeable, that's a sign that your 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 estrogen dominance has <laughs> has hit a peak. Where I mean, you better take charge of that. So get on it. I also have an estrogen blocker coming out soon. Actually, I have the formula and all the all the raws ready to go soon. I just invested a lot in keeping the inventory up for my testosterone booster. So I'm going to launch the estrogen blocker in July and have it ready to sell in August. I also have a pre-workout drink coming out soon. I'm going to have samples this week or next. I'm sending some to Sincere, a few other friends, get some feedback. It's badass shit, man. If you guys thought PowerShot was good, this is way better than PowerShot. It's way better than anything out there, period. No stimulants. I don't jack you up with 500 milligrams of caffeine and a bunch of other stims that are gray area products that are in a lot of a lot of pre-workout drinks out there. So anyway, that'll be out before the end of the year. And people will go, why is it taking so long? Because I'm not going to put it out till I'm ready. How about that? <laughs> it's quality control, people. Right. All right. So anyway, use that coupon code LLA, MikeMahler.com. Get 10% off. All right, folks. That's going to wrap it up for this week. So we'll see each and every one of you on the next show. Take care, everybody. Take care, everyone.